Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? All right. What is wrong with this section right here? Like, one of these days, I'm gonna like remove all the overflow on each side and just have it so that's in the middle. Then you're gonna have to smell my breath, smell me, get a good taste of it. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Would you do me a favor? Would you open up your worship bulletin as we go over a couple uh, quick announcements? I just want to hit on a couple. Number one, we need van drivers. We need van drivers. I really want to have this in place soon. And we also need van helpers if you can ride in a van. So if you are interested and able to do that, please see me and let me know. Hope Fest is coming up next Sunday. I hope you're going to be there. Check it out. There are flyer or little things probably out somewhere or maybe they were even put in your bulletin so make sure you check that out it's always a great event in downtown Willard um, an awesome time to fellowship with other churches other believers and non-believers right there's a lot of people that come out to that so if you can come out be a part of it we support it as a church so that means you support it financially and I think it's just a great ministry so Hope Fest next Sunday uh, besides me van drivers we also need children's teachers starting for Sunday school, all right? So if you can help out in that area, if God's calling you in that area, if you can be a substitute teacher, that would really come in handy as well. So would you pray about that and think about that and then let me know um, if God speaks to your heart, all right? And then finally, we're going to do a baptism service here pretty soon. So I've had some people come up and ask to be baptized. I want you to start praying about that and thinking about that. And if you want to be baptized, let me know. We'll probably have like a short class, just talk about it and make sure that you understand what it means. And then we'll, I'm hoping maybe we can go to Holiday Lakes, Jody. I don't know if that would be possible if you could get us in there. Maybe do a baptism service out on the beach. I think that would be really cool. And I'm just hoping like, I'm just hoping the water's warm, because every time we do a baptism, the water's freezing, and I always get really cold. Yeah, so one of these years, the water's going to be warm, and somebody's going to invite us to a heated pool. If you have a heated pool, you need to let me know, because that would just be phenomenal. Even if it's not, you know, heated, it's just warm, that'd be great. All right, would you stand with me? I don't know about you, but it was a struggle getting to church today. And I think it has to do with the topic, but I'm excited to hear what the Lord has for us, right? I'm excited to hear what the Lord has for us, and it's a challenging message. The, the messages coming up here, they are challenging messages, but I think they're messages that we need to hear. So I'm excited to be, to be challenged by God, and I hope you are too, and I hope that's what you're praying. Lord, speak to me during this time, right? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for... The ability to worship, the ability to corporately gather together with our church family, Lord, and with friends and new people. Lord, I pray that we would just have a spirit um, that is welcoming, no matter where anybody is at. If somebody doesn't know you, I pray that our spirit would be welcoming here. Lord, we want to focus in on you. We want to give you all the glory. Lord, I pray that when we're singing here that we're singing to you and that's the only thing that we're concentrating on lord i know there are things that are heavy on people's hearts today 
Lord, would you remind them that they have a church family that loves them and we're here for them and we'll share in that burden. Lord, like this church on fire. Help us to, to go out like we did Wednesday. Help us to go out every day. Help us send us out as missionaries or to our workplaces with our neighbors. Help us to serve them. Help us to share the good news. Father, I pray for every other church that's in this town, every other church that proclaims you as Lord. We pray that you would light them on fire too. Father, America needs a, a great awakening. America needs a revival. Lord, let us be a part of that. Call us to it. Lord, we love you. We give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.
Do not watch it with your kids. Uh, uh, it is intense. It is tough to watch hearing about what that church is dealing with, the things that are happening to their members and everything like that, uh, the persecution that they're dealing with. But it's also amazing to see how faithfully they are serving and what they're doing. So check that out. Sheep among wolves. All right. They interviewed one of the leaders in that church for a conference and asked them about the church in the West what they thought about the church in the West, the church in America, Europe, or in the Americas. And the man said this, it's like the enemy has put some kind of lullaby over the church and they're sleeping right now. I don't know about you, but that kind of resonated with me. Going through the book of Revelation has been a, a wake-up call. It's been a reminder of what's going on in the world, what's going on in the heavens. There's a war that's raging all around us. And I feel like I'm getting a better perspective and I'm getting a reminder of that as we go through this book. So I'm grateful for that. I also tend to believe 
that this guy's assessment of the church is probably right on. And something's got to change. It's like the enemy has come to the church and said, shh, just, just go to bed. Just go to sleep. It'll be okay. Don't worry. We're starting our second part of our series in Revelation. We did the first part that was all from the start of Revelation up until the throne room. We got that image of what the throne room of God looks like. And now we took a week off last week. We talked about anxiety, right? Anxiety is affecting a third of people today. It's a crazy statistic. And we talked about what you can do if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or any of those things, worry, fear, all those things. So hopefully you, you caught that. But today we're going to be starting part two, and this is the first part. We're going to be in Revelation 12. So if you turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. Now we're skipping over a few chapters. Some of you might be really disappointed. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't know. I always like that. Uh, I encourage you to read it. If you're like me, it's going to be tempting to to start looking at those things. And when you do that, it's really tempting to look at the how and the when. You know, are are we talking about nuclear war? We see like a third of mankind is is wiped out. Is that nuclear war that the sun is blotted out, right? When's this going to happen? Is this pre-trib? Is this post-trib? Is it uh, going to have, are believers going to be there? Those are the things that we're tempted to to look at when we're reading passages like that. But I want to encourage you not to look at the how and when but to look at the who and why. Who and why. Why is this happening? What's going on here? You know, what I noticed when I was reading through that is God is trying to get the people's attention. The people that don't know him. It is a wake-up call. His judgment is poured out on people. It's his last-ditch attempt to get people to wake up. He sends two witnesses that literally testify for years about him and unfortunately most of the people just ignore it and then they're killed 20 years ago i thought we had a good wake-up call a big wake-up call not a good wake-up call we're coming up on the anniversary of 9 11 do you remember what happened after that people started attending churches churches came alive and then a couple months later what happened back to normal shh go to sleep don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Right? I think we've stayed there ever since for the most part. After the, after the seals and, and the trumpet, trumpets and before the bowls, we have this account in, in Revelation chapter 12. And as we're going through it, I, I, this is kind of what inspired the series. All right, this, this passage, because it is, it is a wake-up call. There is an enemy. We're going to learn about that enemy and we're going to learn about what's going on. And I hope this is a little, an alarm in your spirit today. It goes off. It just hits you. I mean, can you just feel it? Man, I feel like we're made for this moment. As much stuff is happening, man, I just, I just feel fired up. I just feel like we are made for this moment. We are made to lead people to Christ, to disciple them, to make an eternal difference. And yet... Are we? Are we doing that? I think we're scared. I think we're intimidated. I think we're focusing on the wrong thing. 
and the enemy's hitting us, and it's time for us to become overcomers. Overcomers. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Revelation chapter 12. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who gave birth to the male child, The woman was given to two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and swept away the torrent, swept her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's command and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for today. Lord, we want to hear from you. Help us to hear this wake-up call. Lord, wake up the churches in America. Wake up the churches in the West. Help us to get into this battle. Lord, soften our hearts. Lord, I know there's a lot of weird imagery in here. Lord, would you unpack it for us, though, and speak to us. Lord, we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage, we have two signs and a scheme. Two signs and a scheme. The first sign is this woman. Listen to how she is described. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. Who does this woman represent? Obviously, Mary comes to mind. 
but it's not just Mary, right? We know that from how she looks, all the strange symbols that we have, all the stars, the sun, and the moon that, moon that she's clothed, clothed with. If you check out Genesis 37, 9, you see a picture of this. Then he, talking about Joseph, do you remember the story of Joseph and his brothers, right? Then he, Joseph, had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Who is that? The sun would have been his father, right, Jacob. The moon would have been his mother, Rachel. And the 11 other stars are his brothers, with Joseph being the 12th star. Well, who do all of these people represent? The Israelites, right? The Israelites, the people of God. Isaiah 66, 7 through 9 tells us that the people of God will give birth to the one who makes war against the dragon. So the woman is a sign of the people of God, both before Jesus and after Jesus' time on the earth. She represents Israel. She represents Mary. She represents us, the church today. She's the first sign. Verse 3, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads is, is completeness. It represents the authority that's been given to the enemy from God. He has ten horns. Horns are a symbol of strength. That means that he has ten of them, so he is a very strong being. Verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Deceives the whole world. That reminds me of in the garden in Genesis 3, right, where Eve is deceived and sin enters into the world. If you remember that account, there comes from this a great hostility born from this between the dragon and mankind. And we learn that there is a coming confrontation where the offspring of the woman will strike the head of the dragon of the serpent and the serpent will strike the heel of man. Now, after we hear about the dragon, we get our first non-sign. The woman gives birth to a son, a son who will rule all nations with a rod of iron or an iron scepter. This, of course, is, is Jesus Christ. Now, what the dragon is doing before the woman gives birth is what? He's waiting to devour that child, right? We see this in Matthew 2. King Herod learns that the Messiah is supposed to be born. And so what's he's trying to do? He's trying to find out where the Messiah is going to be born, who this person is, so that he can do what? Kill him, right? Mary ends up giving birth to Jesus, and Herod orders that all the boys under the age of two in this area are killed. A horrible, horrible time. But this is the dragon getting ready to devour the child. In Revelation we see that the son is whisked away in, in verse 14, and we know that Matthew says that Jesus is taken to Egypt, right, and, and escapes Herod's plan. What we're seeing in Revelation is just weird imagery, right? A dragon, a woman clothed with the sun, and everything like that, but it, it points to something. Remember, this is apocalyptic literature. It uses imagery that's meant to stir our souls, 
We talked about this in the first week when we gave you the introduction of Revelation, right? I can give you the nativity story and tell you, oh, Jesus was born in a manger and it was peaceful and blah, 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 and everything like that. But here's another view of the nativity scene. There's a dragon waiting to devour the child, right? This stirs us. It stirs our souls. It gets us ready to be in the fight. That's simply what revelation is. Don't get weirded out by the symbolism, all right? It's just meant to stir us. Now, here's the encouraging thing. As we look over this war, this war in the heavens, beginning to end, Satan is defeated, right? Satan is defeated. I'm so glad somebody said amen. He's, he's thrown down. You ever throw somebody down, right? Never mind. The word thrown down in the Greek is the word for bounce. I kind of like that. The dragon gets bounced out of heaven. He, is in his, he and his angels are fighting with the archangel Michael and his angels and Satan and his side gets thrown down. The heavens, we learn in, in, in verse 12, are called to rejoice. But what's it say after that? Put woe to the earth because the enemy has come down to you. That should sound an alarm for us. Verse 17, so the dragon was enraged, enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children. Who are the children of the woman? Well, the woman represents the church, right? We're talking about you and me. Those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Do you want to know why it's so difficult being a Christian? There it is. You're at war. There is somebody that hates you, that's coming to devour you, that wants to kill you. Not just you, but you and your entire family, right? I think some people think that when they become a Christian, it's all going to be sun and fun and everything's going to be good and nothing bad's going to ever happen to you. But that's not the case, right? Here's the reality. We're at war. And do we realize it, though? Do we really realize it? When life is so ugly, when people come against us, when there's division, when there's disunity. Look at all the attacks that happen. Realize there is a war going on. And I don't, I don't think we do a good job as the church preparing people for that. That is not a part of the gospel message, right? You know, come put your faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, you're going to be at war with a, a dragon, right? We, we don't tell people that, but that's, that's reality. That's what we learn from Revelation. Not, as the only, not only has the enemy come to us, but verse 12 adds, he is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. He knows he doesn't have a lot of time. He's going to do everything that he can. He knows he's defeated, right? And he's desperate now to take as many of mankind with him. Good news is that the ultimate victory is ours. The bad news is we're not there yet, right? We live in a time of war, but the alarm is sounded, and we can be prepared. We need to be prepared. 2 Corinthians 2, 11 says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We're not ignorant of what the enemy is going to do against us. So yes, we're in a war, but here's more good news. We know his battle plan. We know his schemes. We know what he's going to try to do to us. 
All right, there's three in this passage that we see. Number one, accusation. Number two, deceit. Number three, death. Those are the schemes that he's going to come against us with. Number one, accusations. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who, he who accuses them before our God day and night. Accusations are the full frontal attack of our enemy. He will accuse you until he accomplishes his goal. His goal out of accusation is to get you to buy it is to get you to believe it, is to get you to own it. He wants you to take on that accusation that he speaks to you. Because he knows if you do, it'll take you out of the fight. Let me give you some examples. Right? If I asked you to come up here and close the service with prayer, how many of you would be like, no way, no thank you, I'm not coming up here to pray, Right? Some of you would be like, I, I just can't do that, right? I've heard people tell me, I can't pray. I can't pray. Or I've asked, would you, remember last week, I think we talked about, would you be the person that just goes up to somebody and lays hands on them and prays for them? When you meet them in the supermarket, would you be willing to do that? You know, when you find out, when you go to talk to them and you find out, oh man, they're dealing with this, would you just stop right there and, and pray for them? There are people who think, Oh, I, I can't do that. I can't pray. Right? That's ridiculous. That's an accusation of the enemy that you believe. And that needs to be rebuked. You know how to pray. You know how to talk to people. All you're doing is talking to God. Hey, can, can you, Lord, man, my buddy here is dealing with this. Would you just be with him and, and help him out. Don't make it more than it is, right? You just, you just care about somebody. You're going to your father, asking him to help, right? You can pray for people. You can come up here and pray for the service. I know there's churches that actually just randomly call on people to do that. That would probably send some people into some serious fear, though, right? There was a time in my life I was sitting out there like, I ain't come to that church, right? <laughs> I might get called to pray on Oh, when I read the Bible, I can't understand it. Or I can't read the Bible. That's an accusation that some of us have bought into, right? Pure lie from hell. I don't know anyone in here that can't read. That means you can read the Bible, right? You might not understand everything like that, but there's a lot of stuff to understand. Man, you read the story of David and Goliath, that's an easy story to understand, right? There's a lot of things. The Old Testament, I, I've sometimes love the Old Testament more than I love the New Testament because of all the cool stories that are in there. You know, but I know you can understand the New Testament. There's things, yes, you won't understand, but don't listen to the enemy when he tells you you won't understand it. Don't bother, right? You can't read the Bible. Yes, there's some deep stuff, but there's also some stuff that everybody can understand. And remember, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And he can reveal what the word says to you and bring that alive to you. Am I going to stand up here and say every time I read the Bible, I understand it? No, I don't understand. I still don't understand half of Revelation and I'm studying it, right? But there's still plenty there. Still plenty there. And he'll speak to you about what you need to hear 
at that particular time in your life. And he'll unpack that same scripture a whole nother way later on to you. Don't you dare believe the enemy when he tells you you can't understand the Bible. If you did, man, if you did read the Bible, you'd come alive. You'd be back in the fight. But the enemy is, shh, go back to sleep. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. It's boring, right? That's what the enemy spoke to me for a long time. It's boring. Yeah. It's okay. Somebody else will pray for that person. I can't witness to someone. Oh, man, I don't know how to witness. I don't know what I'll say. I guarantee the enemy saying that to you because he says that to me when he prompts me, when the Spirit prompts me to talk to somebody. All right? If he's saying that to me, I'm sure he's saying that to you. Don't listen to that. Oh, they'll think you're stupid, right? I fight with that accusation. There's people in here that have never witnessed to somebody because they bought into the lie from the devil that says you can't do it. Lie. Recognize it. That is a lie. Rebuke it when the enemy speaks to you. Remember, you're just responsible to give your testimony. What has Christ done in your life? What difference has knowing Jesus Christ made in your life? I think I'm less of a jerk now. The deeper I grow in Christ, the more I care about people. About people that I wouldn't have cared about before. I didn't like kids before. Jesus got a hold of my life. What changes he made for you? You have a testimony. Man, make a hit list. People that you want to witness to. Make it fun. You want to make, a, make your hit list for people that you want to testify fun? Put people on it that you don't like. <laughs> Better yet, I got two people on it that I know don't like me. I mean, they can't stand me because of, because of some things that have happened through work. They, oh, man, I'd say they hate me. But I'm going to witness to them. I'm going to get an opportunity. The Lord's going to provide that. I know that. And I'm going to share the good news. And I might look stupid, but I'm going to plant that seed. Right? Make a hit list. Pray about it. People that you can witness to. Ask for God. Ask God for an opportunity to plant that seed. James, how do I witness to him? Holy Spirit guides a conversation. Time and time again, I've seen the Holy Spirit guide a conversation. Don't you try to force that conversation or guide it. Let the Spirit guide that conversation. If you watch Sheep Among Wolves, oh my gosh, what God is doing through dreams and stuff to people over there, it is amazing. You have to realize the Holy Spirit is inside you working. The Holy Spirit is also reaching and working out to that person that you're going to talk to. He's, he's prepping them for that conversation. All right. When you believe the enemy's accusations, it takes you out of the fight, right? Shh, go back to sleep. Here's your binky, right? Be comfortable. Don't step out on faith. Just go back to bed. You should expect that. You should fight that. You should rebuke that. Man, I can pray. God can use me. I've seen the other people that God uses, right? Look at the people he uses in the Bible. If you watch that documentary, it's cool. Oh, I love this. All right, you watch that documentary. All right, the, the, the description of the leaders in the Iranian church, you know what their, their, their vocations were before they became leaders in the church? Drug smugglers. 
jobs like that, drug smugglers, right? Is that not the perfect vocation if you're going to be a church leader in an underground church where you have to hide for the government authorities? They know exactly how to do that. Man, they've been doing that their whole life, right? But what, I guarantee you, what does the enemy accuse them of? Oh, you're no good. You're just a druggie. You're just a drug abuser. Look at all the pain that you've caused, right? That's exactly what the enemy does to you and I. Man, I love that my Bible has men and women, disciples who are just ordinary people. They're weird people. They're hated people. Ordinary people. Gosh, don't, don't ever sell yourself short. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's got something for you to do, and he'll do it through you if you're faithful, if you allow him to do that, right? All right. First um, John 4.4. 4. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Who's the spirit that lives in the world? That's the enemy. That's Satan, right? The spirit that lives in you is greater. We're not fearful. We shouldn't be fearful of the enemy. Yeah, he's a big, strong dragon, right? No, because greater who is in me, right, than he is in the world. Who are you going to believe? Accusations are going to come. Accusations get their power from agreement. You agreeing to what you're being accused. Who are you going to believe? You have got to be able to say, no, that's not true. I know the word of God. I recognize what God says about me, and I'm going to believe that. Don't expect to be great the first time you do something. Praying. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. First time you pray in front of people, right? Don't expect the first time that you witness to somebody. It's like asking a, a girl out. You know, you're going to be bad at it. You're going to be awkward at it. You're probably going to crash and burn, right? But you'll get better as you grow. You'll learn. You'll go deeper. God will show you things. And pretty soon it'll just feel like second nature. Get in the fight, though. Not only does Satan like to accuse us, he likes to accuse other people. Oh, yeah, I don't like those people, right? Hmm. We could probably say something about politics here, about that other side. I really, I really don't like the other side in politics. You know, I'm, I never tell you who, which side I'm on, all right? But I met someone at that funeral that I just did, and they said, hey, can I, can I come up and talk to you? And I started talking to that person, and he revealed something to me and just kind of, kind of like spilled. And so later, I went to his Facebook page, and I got on it, and I was like, oh, man. This person is like the exact opposite of where I lean politically, ideology, everything, man. Everything. That person was like, hmm, yeah. Um, you know what the enemy said to me? As I went to click on Invite Friend, do you really want to invite that person to be your friend? Do you really want that person in your life? Do you really want to invite that person to church? Heck yeah, right? That's the enemy, man. That's the enemy saying that. That's the enemy trying to get you to look at those people. If you ever say those people, those black people, those Hispanic people, those gay people, those whatever... 
I'd be very careful with that, right? Those Democrats, those Republicans, be careful how we see people. Are they worthy of God's love? Are you called to love them, to reach out to them? Yeah, man, I'm called to win everybody to Christ. To me, there's only two people. Those people who know him and those people who don't. Man, and I want to go after those people that don't know him. Hmm. On top of the accusation, he's a deceiver, deceiver of the whole world, John 8, 44. This is what Jesus says about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He doesn't want to just give you bad information. He wants you to own that as well. He wants you to feel it. It's popular today. He wants you to trust your feelings over the truth. Jesus is the truth, right? The word of God is the truth. He wants you to trust your feelings over the word of God and what the Bible says. That's his deception. He wants you to question God. Is God really good? Does God really care about you? Why isn't he doing this for you then? Is God true to his word? Is this word accurate? Has it been accurately interpreted and translated? Man, let me just say, wow, I don't know. That, that's what the enemy does. He deceives us, right? You can't believe the Bible literally. You've got to interpret it. You've got to, you know, revise it. There's two major ways that I see him doing this. The first one is false doctrine. We, we have to be careful. Does what we believe line up with the word of God? Plain and simple. Plain and simple. We've got to test it with the word of God. We can end up believing things about God that are just not true just because it's what we believe. Our kids in the word of God, do you know what they're coming up against? Do you know what's been thrown in their face? Mm. Man, health and wealth gospel, yeah, if you're a believer, you're going to be healthy and wealthy and, and everything. I don't know, man. I remember the disciples. I remember all of them being put to death except for one. I don't remember him being wealthy, right? The less you know about the Bible, the more you'll fall for false doctrine. You better be testing everything that comes out of my mouth by the word of God. You better be testing anybody that is up here by the word of God. And you better be confronting me. I've had that done, and I've been wrong about things once, just once, right? <laughs> I don't want to preach something that's wrong. I'll take that, right? Just, just do it in a good way, right? Second way, the enemy encourages us to believe what we want to believe. You know Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was a deist. He was not a Christian. Jefferson took the Bible and a pair of scissors and took out everything supernatural. He, he literally took it out of the Bible. He said it wasn't real. Every miraculous story, he removed them, and what you had left was the Jefferson Bible. You can actually find that. It's in the Bible Museum, the Jefferson Bible. Slave owners, they cut out everything from the Bible that pertained to slavery. Exodus, gone. They removed every verse that they thought would compel slaves to realize that they were meant to be free, that freedom should be theirs. They cut it out of the Bible and made the slave Bible. It happens again and again today. I don't like that. Man, I don't, like, I don't like the doctrine of hell. 
right? If I could take something out of the Bible, that's what I would take out of the Bible, but it's there. It's, it's in the Bible. It's real. We, we can't pick and choose, right? We can't change it. God made them male and female. This is, a, this is an attack today. The enemy is deceiving people, right? Instead of realizing how special you are as a man or a woman and who God created you to be, the enemy is deceiving you and trying to get our kids to question or not about whether or not they are male or female. These, these men and women who are abused, right? They're abused by, by people. And it makes them even question that more. The enemy's deceiving people. And we can't look at it and say, those people, those people. No, we need to go after them and share the truth and what the Word of God says. Whether they reject it or accept it, that's up to them, right? I'm still going to be your friend, whether you accept Christ or, or reject Christ. I'll still care about you. You're still welcome, right? Kids are scrolling through TikTok and seeing these so-called experts with these MDivs, and they're buying what these people who say they're Christians are selling. And these people are not selling the Word of God, not sharing the Word of God. They're sharing their interpretations of it or what they say it believes. And our kids are buying it. Our kids are being discipled. They're being discipled. And parents and church, we better step up our game. Man, better step up our game. We need apologetics. We need need to speak the truth and teach the kids the truth. Right? I know how difficult that is, parents. That's why you have us. We're here to help. We need to do a better job, though. They have to know the Word of God. They have to know the Word of God, forward and backwards. Apologetics needs to be taught more. All right, number one, accusation. Number two, last day three, death. Death is something the enemy uses to place fear into people's hearts, hoping that people will renounce Jesus, will turn back. That's, that's what, when they're getting ready to execute people in the Middle East, hey, you can renounce Jesus or you can die. Man, and time and time again, I see people faithful to that. What would we do? What would you do? Man, I hear stories that will make you sick to your stomach. If you watch those videos, horrible things being done to Christians, being done to women that I don't even want to think about. The enemy hates you and will do his worst to get you to shrink back, to run away. Torture and death is just one of those things he uses in certain areas. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, meaning Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. We're held in slavery by a fear of death. But guess what? Christ has conquered death, right? Christ has showed us that there is more after death. The dragon tries to intimidate with death, but death was conquered. Now we can say death is gain. If I were to die, man, throw a party for me because I'm going to be with the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
We don't like hearing that. But here's where the persecuted church finds the freedom that, that makes them able to stand in the face of all that persecution, all that, all that death, all that hatred. Verse 11, this is powerful. After Satan is hurled down, they, the church, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, blood of the Lamb, salvation, right? And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. There's the key. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. There's the difference between the church in the West and the persecuted church. We love our lives. We do. We love our comfortable lives. And because of that, we shrink back. We don't follow what the Spirit leads us to do. We have such good lives in America. We're blessed, right? We live in the greatest nation on this planet. We love our lives. Why wouldn't we? But because we love them, we shrink back. We want to make our lives as good as possible. We want to make our lives as good as possible for our children, right? That's the American way. We're teaching them to love their lives, though, more than they love Christ. And that's scary. The persecuted church has nothing but Christ. And they've discovered that it's the best thing to have, far beyond anything that we have. So they don't love their life so much to shrink from death. We love our life, we, we shrink not just from death, but from embarrassment. We shrink from being uncomfortable, right? Christ calls us to die. Christ calls us to pick up our cross, to be willing to be uncomfortable, to be willing to be made fun of when we witness to somebody, right? To be willing to die. We don't have to worry about that here. But they do. What happens when we, when we don't even know we bought into the accusations and we believe that, oh, I can't pray, I can't witness, I can't read the Bible. What happens when we, we've been deceived and we don't even believe the right things about Scripture? What happens when we're, we're scared of things far less than death? We're out of the fight. We're not even in a war. I don't think we have a chance of making a dent. We ain't going to dent this community. We ain't going to dent this world. Shh. Go back to sleep. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Going to church every week will not be enough for the fight that we're in. You can come Wednesday night, right? Throw, throw in Wednesday nights. It's not enough. Digging deep into the word regularly and ordering your life around it, even when you disagree with it, right? That's going to be the difference. That's going to be part of the difference. Being on your knees, praying, listening to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, when the Holy Spirit tells you to give something, go speak to someone. Laying down your comfort, laying down your pride, being willing to step out in faith, being scared to death, but still moving forward, that's going to get us back into this fight.
That's where God is calling us. He's calling us to pick up our cross, that instrument of death, and die to ourselves and surrender every part of our lives. The enemy is in the fight. He knows his time is short, and he's filled with fury. I wish it was easier. I wish it was all just stuff we could see. I wish it was something that I could grab my AR, you know, and just shoot, right? That'd be a lot easier. But that's not who we're fighting. And, and let me say this. Here's the only weapon we have. And if you aren't in it, you don't have anything to fight with. What would it be like Men, if somebody broke into your house, started beating on your kids, doing crazy things to your family, right? And you had a weapon there and you didn't use it to defend them. What would that be like? That's like you not being in the word. You're letting the enemy come in, beat the snot out of you, and kill your family if you're not in this. I pray today is a wake-up call to be in this, digging in it, studying it, searching it out, and ordering our lives around it. We got to, man. I want to make a difference. I don't want to play church. We got to make a difference, right? Here's the truth. The gospel explodes in places where there's persecution because people realize there's a war going on. We don't feel the war. Most of the time. Sometimes the enemy attacks, we feel that. But they're dependent. They have to be dependent. They have no bank accounts. They have no church buildings. They're meeting in secret. They don't have anybody training them. It's just now starting to get it. They don't have any structure for the church. All right, all the things that we think is important, no, the Holy Spirit's just leading it all. Leading them to witness to people, working on people's hearts. They're giving them dreams. They're, they're dreaming about Jesus. Right? They're dreaming about, about somebody coming to talk to him, then somebody comes and talks to him about Jesus. They're dependent on the Holy Spirit. We could learn a lot from them. Today, realize that there is a war going on. Be in the Word, be on your knees, listen to the Holy Spirit's leading, right? And get in the battle. Let me remind you if you want to be baptized, talk to me. And let me know. Number two, we need children's teachers. Oh, not me. Is that an accusation from the enemy? You can't be a substitute children's teacher? You can't tell a little kid that David slung a rock and God got that stone and took that giant out? Pray about it. Think about it. What does God, God want you? You can't drive a van? You can't ride a van. We need this, man. We need this to move forward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, would you guide us? Would you wake us up, me included? Lord, I, I don't even realize we're in a war half the time. Father, would you give us a, a burning desire to be in your word? Would you make it come alive to us? Would you make it speak to us, Lord? Would you unpack it? When, when something doesn't make sense, would you, would you let us lay down our pride and reach out to somebody and ask them what they know? 
Lord, would you light this church on fire? Lord, would you give us somebody to witness to this very week? Don't let us shrink back. Let us be bold in you. Even when we feel scared, let us get our boldness from you, Lord, and share the good news. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.